The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed. I'm your host, Marie Biancuto. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. I am stoked, and I mean I am stoked to do this program, partly because I've just come off from about four weeks of running my uh, review program and my comprehensive program for professionals, and I just feel like, I felt like really, really tired, and so... I got some sleep yesterday, and I realized that today I get to do the radio show, which I love doing, and I love it even more today because I get to do it with my friend and colleague, Mary Kay Smith. Mary Kay, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Uh, many of you probably remember Mary Kay, who was on the show earlier this year, or maybe it was at the end of last year. Uh, Mary Kay Smith, RN, IBCLC, FILCA. Uh, Mary Kay began her career as a La Leche League leader in 1982 and became progressively more educated and credentialed thereafter. And then, after spending eight years as a lactation consultant at Henry Ford Hospital in Detroit, Mary Kay has finally returned to home to her home state of Illinois, and she is employed at Edward Hospital in Naperville, Illinois. Uh, Mary Kay is also a registered nurse and a certified childbirth educator. So let me tell you, Mary Kay is your gal. I'm so glad to have you aboard today as we talk about uh, babies who are breastfeeding and slow to gain. Uh, Mary Kay, you know, you and I have had this conversation because we have so many of those collegial conversations anyway, but often parents worry so much about whether their breastfed babies are gaining enough weight, and it seems there are so many rules about what to expect and so much conflicting advice about what to do. And yet, there's a bunch of variables that play into both the process and the outcome of the baby gaining his weight. So, all of this can, can seem pretty confusing or even frightening for the parent. And in today's show, I hope that we can really help parents to seek uh, help for the baby who really is gaining weight more slowly than normal and maybe to give some reassurance to those parents who in fact, their, their, their baby is okay. So let's start with newborns. This has always been a big, big emphasis on how much weight the baby loses. So while the, the focus of the show is sort of uh, weight gain, the truth of it is that the opposite is, is mil, uh, weight loss. 
So here in the U.S., we all pretty much accept the idea that weight loss does happen in those first few days, especially for the the breastfed infant. And we have a lot of clear rules about that weight loss. Um, Talk to us a little bit about what those rules are and why sometimes they're just not as straightforward as they might seem. Well, I think many times we don't take into consideration where the baby started in the first place, Mm. that you're just looking at, you know, numbers and it isn't, numbers don't always tell the whole story. For instance, taking a good history, a good birth history and, and maternal health history before you, you know, jump on an arbitrary number. Because it is absolutely important to realize that, a, say you've got a baby that was SGA, which is small for gestational age, or had something going on in the last trimester of pregnancy that slowed down growth, you kind of have to have a different point of view for that one don't you agree yeah yeah mm-hmm. but I mean if you've got your normie normal healthy full-term newborn then sure we could come up with some you know guidelines I've always been mystified Marie though by when should they get back to birth weight you hear so many <laughs> things is it seven days ten days two weeks well what do you think well, what I think probably doesn't really matter because, um, <laughs> I, I, no, no, seriously, I'll tell you why. Because as you remember, I spent many years working with the great international expert, Dr. Ruth Lawrence. And Dr. Ruth Lawrence always taught me that what really counted is was if they had regained their birth weight at two weeks. However, Dr. Lawrence was always eager to say that... You also had to look at the whole clinical picture. So, you know, sometimes there's a kid that kind of hasn't really quite made it to the two weeks uh, to to the return. But she'd always say, but if all else is well, if all else is well. But she would also say that if the baby had not regained the weight at two weeks, then you kind of needed to really keep an eye on that. Well, you couldn't be cavalier. Maybe that way. I don't know if Cavalier was her word, but that always was the impression that I got. Well, that's a, a good way to look at it. Um, the other thing that, that we need to look at is, you know, patterns of weight Yes, gain. yes. You know, um, and when did mother's milk, I hate the term, come in. I'd rather say when did her milk supply increase. Um, I don't uh, but- think I'm going to ever get rid of that term you know dr marianne neifert says when she has a copious supply <laughs> that's a good one <laughs> does that work <laughs> yeah i hope it catches on um and and one of the things that i'd like to say as a sidebar is to you know the variables that influence mother's milk coming in or becoming more copious copious <laughs> <laughs> you know just does the type of delivery really make a difference? Um, you know, I hear so many young ladies say, well, I had a cesarean. And I think they have to realize that the reason for the cesarean is why things may be altered a little bit. It's not necessarily that it was a cesarean. How do you feel about that? Well, you know what I'm going to say, Mary Kay. I'm going to say how I feel doesn't really matter. But, <laughs> but I mean, you know, the, the literature actually... 
what excuse me can we say to a mom that says that to us well, I think the literature illuminates this a little bit, which is there are cesareans and there are cesareans. And I probably, I won't say that I've read all of that literature, but I've read a lot of it. And it seems to me there are really two big things that jump out at me. And the first thing is, was this an elective cesarean is this something that was a scheduled cesarean or did the mother actually have the hormones of labor on board? And let's face it. Our bodies are built to go from the state of labor to the state of birth to the state of breastfeeding and lactation. So I think that the literature will back me up here in saying that not having those hormones on board is a piece of it. But I think the second piece, which is much more controllable, if you will, which is Did the baby get to the breast, what I call, early and often, early and often, early and often? And Mary Kay, you've been a nurse long enough to know that very often, if the mother has had a cesarean, either she's not really up to it or the baby is stuck in a central nursery and doesn't get out to the the mother. So sometimes that early and often really kind of doesn't occur. So to me, those are sort of the two big factors But I guess I would also say with some of my labor and delivery hat on, some of it is the mother has had a two-day induction and she's exhausted out of her skull and she's puked her guts out somewhere. (laughs) Oh, I so agree with that. You know, that there's that whole history thing, too. So I am absolutely with you. This business of when milk comes in or when the milk becomes copious or any of that, uh, and and certainly, you know, we could probably have 18 other shows on just all of the factors that because cesarean does jump to my mind, unquestionably, Mary Kay, unquestionably. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's other things, too. And uh, so I think that how much weight that baby gains or loses does depend on a number of factors related to when does that milk supply become copious? Oh, exactly. Uh, I think we need to say from the get-go that, you know, the psychological impact on a mom when she hears, oh, your baby's not gaining fast enough or, your, yeah, you know, yeah, baby yeah. has lost weight. or I mean, the immediate response, you know, in mom's mind and heart is, oh, no, I'm not a good enough mother. Right, <laughs> or, right. You know, there's something wrong with me. You know, I'm and, not producing enough. yeah. So it's not necessarily an indication that there's something, you know, biologic going on or, I have to say this, she's (laughs) neglecting her baby. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Right, because it's... uh, it's physiological, it's psychological, and certainly when I went to nursing school, there was a real big uh, emphasis on how the psyche and the soma really went together. And honestly, the more I, the older I get, the more I believe that, uh, no doubt about it. So, so Mary Kay, uh, help moms with this part too then, because very often there's such a big emphasis on the scale, the scale, the scale, the scale. And I think the scale has some usefulness, but as my engineer husband would say, that is only one data point. Uh, What else do you tell parents to look at in terms of really making sure that their babies are at least on the road to gaining enough weight? Well, you know, to be sure, I I think it's real important to observe a feeding 
Yes. And see, you know, baby's general assessment, you know, physically, skin, you know, is it moist and, you know, che- checking for signs of dehydration and things like that are real important. And observing a feeding and seeing how mom, you know, interacts, how she's positioning. I mean, it could be something as easily fixable as latch. Sure. You sure. Know? And for a, a minute ago, the thought came to me, and I know we're coming up to a break, but I have a little story to share with about a busy mom who had a two-year-old that um, was kind of, I don't want to say neglecting the baby, but doing just enough with the little one so she had more time for the toddler. So I'm going to share that in a little bit because that was a baby who was about three months old. And I think, Mary Kay, you're saying not that the mother was neglectful, but the mother was distracted, unfocused, whatever the word would be, because Mm -hmm. let's face it, you got a toddler to chase around, you are a little (laughs) unfocused sometimes. I I definitely see it. Yes. There are some strategies we can come up with to address that as well. I was also going to mention not only how the feeding goes, but also, and, and you and I could talk about this for ages, feeding cues and I find and I I did one whole show on feeding cues so I'll kind of skip that but I would also say that sometimes parents also need some help looking for signs of satiety some signs that the baby is really full when they're finished eating and sometimes that you know kind of falls by the wayside hey Mary Kay do not go away woman we are going to be right back on the other side of this break all right Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you getting ready for your IBLCE exam? Do you want a time-saving review without having to travel? Marie Biancuso's new guided study review is the perfect resource for you. If you're wanting to listen on the go, get our premier package, which includes over 60 12-minute audio casts, a 400-page companion guide, and much more. Best of all, you'll get a live Q&A session with Marie via webinar. You'll walk into the exam confident you'll pass. Call today at 703-787-9894 or visit us at www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. That's breastfeedingoutlook.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Marie Biancuzzo with Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with Mary Kay Smith, and we're talking about slow weight gain in babies. Before we continue, I would just like to let everyone know, and I know that Mary Kay is going to be interested in hearing this as well, because it's it's really kind of one of those things that we haven't even really announced. But for those people who are preparing for the IBLCE exam, it is eight weeks away. And sometime tonight before I go to bed, 
we will be offering a guided a study guide to help people to structure their study over the next eight weeks. And that will be available on my professional site for free. That is F-R-E-E, free, uh, to help people to get their act together with just some structure for studying over the next week so that they're not. My, my experience usually is people are either very overwhelmed or they just don't know what to do and so they don't do it or don't do it well or whatever. So that is available. And um, I would encourage people to uh, take advantage of that. So meanwhile, we're going to take advantage of Mary Kay's knowledge. Mary Kay, one of the things that I really want to talk about, even though I didn't want to spend too much more time with the newborn, but I do want to talk about the fact that people get really mixed up about stools in breastfed babies, they've heard that, oh, well, breastfed babies don't have stools every day, blah, 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 blah. But that does not have, that does not apply to babies in the first month or so. Can you tell us a little bit about how you advise parents to observe their baby's stools in that first, I don't know, four to six weeks, certainly four weeks, maybe even a little longer? Well, it's very important that babies have at least one to three bowel movements every 24 hours in the first six weeks of life. I My attitude is what goes in must come out. So if you're seeing <laughs> output, yes. then something's going in and enough stuff is going in. Um, one of the things that I, I also like to use to explain to mothers, there's still a big hang up on that. How long do they have to be at the breast to get the hind milk and get the fat? Mm. And what I have found to be true through my reading and some of the new research that's out there is that every time you have a letdown, that's released from the alveolar cells. So, you know, the even switch nursing, every time you get a letdown, you're going to get more fat in that milk. So that's a, a helpful strategy. Um, you know, and the, it shouldn't, it should be poop. I mean, it should be. <laughs> At least, you know, you don't want to see a little smear. You don't want to see a little smudge. Um, it's got to be at least the size of baby's palm, if not more. My my grandson's such a great pooper. I don't know if my daughter's listening, but he's, <laughs> he's four months old now. Can I brag about him? Oh, sure, except that we're going to tell him that you told about this when he's 25 years old. We're going to say, look at what your grandmother said about you when you were four months oh, old. Oh, I have some <laughs> wonderful, pic- nudie pictures of him that his prom going to see. <laughs> but, you know, we'll put those on your Facebook page, Mary Kay. Well, sure. Well, well, Lincoln is one of those babies. He's an excellent nurser. He was 7 pounds, 7 ounces at birth. He is 15, 10 at four months. But... In the last few weeks, he's pooping about once every 24 hours, sometimes 36. But when he does, it's it's a blowout. It goes up the back and out the legs. So, you know, that's one way babies will eliminate. And other babies will, you know, have a bowel movement with every feeding or every other feeding. But poop has to happen. You have to have that. You know, and I remember hearing, oh, wet diapers were the most important measurement. I don't think so. I think it's poop, no, don't you? I, yeah, because, you know, the, the wet diapers are a little, it's a good, certainly you should look for wet diapers, unquestionably. But I am less concerned, I guess, um, well, no, maybe I would reword that. I want to see 
three stools a day the first four weeks, and I want those to be bigger than a smudge, and I want them to look like, as I tell parents, cottage cheese and mustard and sesame seeds all mixed together. Uh, They should be a real yellow, like French's mustard yellow. Mm -hmm. And uh, because sometimes parents will tell me, oh, they look normal. Well, I'm not really sure if the parent really knows what normal needs to be. Uh, So I guess that it's really a matter of making sure that, as you very succinctly said, what goes in has got to come out. There's just no getting around that. Um, Most certainly. So, So tell me this. Uh, we need a quick idea in the early months then about normal weight gain for breastfed babies and normal weight gain for formula-fed babies. Um, I'm hoping that at least here in the U.S., I'm hoping that everybody is using the World Health Organization uh, gr- growth charts, the ones from zero to two months. They are certainly on the uh, CDC, the Centers for Disease uh, Control website, But uh, talk to us a little bit about what parents should be expecting and those curves and all those things that parents ask questions about. Well, this is going to expose my ignorance, but I don't don't look at the curves so much as I look at, you know, a pattern of of the weight gain. And I don't think that's ignorant at all. Okay, we tell mothers that they have to, they should gain you know, a half an ounce to an ounce a day in the first four to six weeks. It's very normal for it to slow down when they get, you know, close to to two to three months. And if the baby hasn't, you know, caught up by three months, then you're starting to look at other things. But, you know, if it's just basically management issues and making sure baby feeds more often and feeds longer, you know, it's amazing how many ladies will come in for a, a visit to the clinic I'm at. Um, and we sit and we spend a good hour, maybe sometimes longer. And they almost always say, oh, gosh, feedings aren't this long at home. <laughs> because I kind of make them sit there. You sure, know, we sure. we talk and, you know, just share oh, that's things. hard to imagine, Mary Kay. Oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> You know, and, and we we talk about different things, and I it's sort of like when you watch somebody pump. If you're looking at them pump, they don't necessarily have a good letdown or produce what they usually would. But if you distract them and sure. talk about the kids or their vacation or what they had for lunch, you know, it happens. Sure. Sure. Well, what I was thinking when I mentioned the growth chart is that sometimes moms think that their babies should always be on the curve. And that's just not true. Usually, it takes babies many, many months before they kind of settle into one curve. Now, that being said, they certainly shouldn't be dropping like a rock on the curve. Oh, certainly of not. not. No. But, um, you know, somewhere. I learned this ages ago, and the diet, my dietitian friends always confirm that I'm correct, that it's really not until the baby gets to be about 18 months or so that he does get on a curve. But as you know, many of them are kind of, um, you know, they're a little bit, little bit bigger curve this time, a little bit lesser curve that time, and they haven't really found their curve. 
And I would suppose that you, as I do, kind of reassure people, that's just, it's not a whole big deal. Um, so, so Mary Kay, help, help us with this here. I think that we adults know that activity means more calories burned. And we know that eating less means weighing less. So talk to us a little bit about how that works with the baby and the weight gain. And I'm thinking here of stuff like baby is more mobile, baby is distracted, baby has a longer stretch at night, that sort of thing. Oh, that's an excellent point to bring up, Marie, because... I always joke around and say, you know, I'm 5'2 and I weigh 130 pounds. If, you know, if I was 5'6, I'd be perfect. <laughs> I weighed 130 pounds. Now I'm just sort of a little pudge. But, you know, in a baby who was, you know, 18 inches at birth and all of a sudden grew two inches, you know, you stretch it out and it's going to look skinnier and weigh a little bit less. Yeah. So the velocity of growth and you know, certainly you were spot on when you mentioned how they start to move around and get distractible. The three and four month olds do not nurse well, you know, during the day and when other things are going on. And here's where we fall into a problem. Baby starts sleeping all night, but is not nursing real well during the day because they're distracted or, or like my grandson, he's trying to roll over all the time. And he just started that and now He's scooting, and I'm thinking, you know, gee. He's He's got a whole new world here. (laughs) He's burning more calories that way. Yeah, this reminds me of my mother and shopping. You know, my mother always considered that stopping for lunch was just a dumb idea. She said, that cuts into my shopping time. I don't want to bother with lunch. And as you say, a baby at that age, that three to four months neighborhood, Hey, you know, they they got some shocking and jiving to do here. Eating, oh, well, that kind of cuts into their activity level, uh, their, their activity time. And um, even for the babies that might not be sleeping all night, they're still sleeping a really good stretch. And, uh, and don't you think this is right about the time that moms go back to work, too? Oh, that's a great point. I actually had, had thought of that. A few minutes ago, <laughs> and got distracted, so I didn't bring it up. But yeah, speaking sure. of distraction, and and then moms, you know, we get the calls. Well, I used to be able to pump six ounces at work, and now I'm only pumping four, and you know that's a concern to them mm-hmm. because oh yeah. So, you know, if baby is waking a little bit more at night, or you give them a nice long feeding with a little breast massage as their last feed of the day, that can help. You know get a little more fat and calories into them too. Do you Agreed. do you kind of agree that a little bit of, you know, breast massage and breast oh, yes. it's kind of surprising when I tell people, yes, it will increase the fat content of your milk. It's kind of a surprise to them. You know, Mary Kay, I'm not entirely convinced about the fat part. What I am convinced about is that we have a boatload of research that shows that uh, babies, excuse me, that um, there is more fat in the in the milk in the evening right off the bat. That too, absolutely. So I guess what I'm saying is don't miss that opportunity because mothers will typically have more volume of milk in the morning and a greater fat amount at night so don't miss that opportunity and um, I also think that you know at that 
there's a whole bunch of things that seems to me like going on. You've got the baby who suddenly wakes up and realizes there's a whole world out there that he kind of wants to explore, not maybe as interested in food. I would also say that one of the, the great things now you mentioned about the massaging, I was going to say that they have shown, and you're, you're probably aware of this, and I've probably said this to you a gazillion times, but I'll say it to the audience as well. You know, the greatest amount of hand development in an infant happens right around four months. And what that means is that very often the baby is the one who will reach up with those little hands that she's just discovered are such really, you know, handy things. And the baby will be the one who is massaging the mother's breasts. And that is absolutely to be encouraged. We think of it as being like one of those cute, sweet little things that kids do, but it actually is functional. If you look at the work of Matthias and colleagues, um, they really show how this increases prolactin levels, which in turn, guess what? Increase milk uh, supply. So I think that we need to not undersell ourselves with the fact that, uh, you know, babies are pretty clever. They've really got this pretty much together. Hey, Mary Kay, tell you what, it's always so fun and we always get wound up. I just got to put you on hold for a minute. Uh, Anybody else, don't go away. Mary Kay and I will be right back right after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you getting ready for your IBLCE exam? Do you want a time-saving review without having to travel? Marie Biancuso's new guided study review is the perfect resource for you. If you're wanting to listen on the go, get our premier package, which includes over 60 12-minute audio casts, a 400-page companion guide, and much more. Best of all, you'll get a live Q&A session with Marie via webinar. You'll walk into the exam confident you'll pass. Call today at 703-787-9894 or visit us at www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. That's breastfeedingoutlook.com. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Tim Austin, Senior Vice President of Kmart. Our company is working together with the March of Dimes through March for Babies to raise money and awareness about the serious problem of premature birth in the U.S. As a business leader, I know that babies born very sick or too soon cost businesses billions of dollars each year. That's why Kmart is committed to raising funds through our employees, customers, family, and friends to improve the health of moms and babies everywhere. Won't you please join us in March for Babies? Start a team today at MarchForBabies.org. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here today with my guest, Mary Kay Smith, and we're talking about babies who have slow weight gain. 
Uh, you know, Mary Kay, sometimes I've seen a baby who just doesn't gain weight very well. And I absolutely agree that the scale or the weight chart doesn't tell the whole story. Uh, but, you know, sometimes it's the other things that I see as well. Um, have you seen some interesting cases maybe where you realize that, that like maybe the scale was not the thing that was your big cue here? What, what did you see that maybe the parent could have seen without the scale? Well, I'm the first one that comes to mind is a little one who was about two or three months old that wasn't gaining well. And mom called and, and made an appointment. And when she came to the appointment, she had her toddler who was about two and a half with her and she was you know we we did a a quick look-see at the baby and you know weights and all that and she nursed the baby but she kind of timed it in a way and and took the baby off and put the baby back in the the stroller and gave her pacifier Uh. all the while her her little two-year-old has this, you know, like a, one of those little snack cups with her, and she has little goldfish crackers, and oh, uh-huh. <laughs> and she's nibbling through the whole whole time that mom and baby and I work together. And I I kind of tried to convey to the mom that this might be the reason your little one, you know, is not gaining appropriately because you know you're kind of limiting it and and. When you know her her sister is getting free range to graze <laughs> and snack, and it was a toughie, Marie. It, it yeah, kind of you know because I don't want to make moms feel bad or feel guilty, but sometimes sure. they just don't realize what they're doing, and especially yeah. the busyness. You know, the yes. chasing a toddler, and now. The- that she could clearly see that the older child could self-pace, but she wasn't realizing that the baby really wasn't given an opportunity to self-pace. Yeah, she she really yeah. wasn't catching it. And yeah. I, I did a follow-up, and, you know, it kind of made me worry for the baby. But, you know, I, and I didn't ever get to see her again because she wasn't, returning my call so you know (laughs) I don't know if I touched a a nerve or you know but I I hope at some point that that little one would catch up on growth you know and that's an appropriate situation for either giving baby more time at the breast or possibly supplementation you know supplementation is not always a bad word sure I agree there are indications and times that it's necessary and appropriate Yes, absolutely. Uh, so, and, uh, and Oh, I'm sorry. So I was going to share another one, if you don't mind. Oh, absolutely, yes. And this one's kind of totally coming from the opposite direction. I saw a little one who was about two and a half months old and wasn't gaining well. And, you know, mom came in and I'm looking at this baby thinking, hmm, you know, it, it had that typical kind of worried look on its face and, oh, mm-hmm. you know, and... Sometimes I turn the lights down, you know, we have a dimmer switch, you know, just to make baby more comfortable if they're getting towards that distractible age. But in this case, I turned the lights up and took a really good look at this baby and noticed she had kind of a little bluish tinge around her lips while she was feeding. Uh Uh-oh. 
Uh-oh, what do you, are you thinking the same thing? Oh, I oh, I know what I'm thinking, but go ahead. Yeah, a little cardiac, little murmur there. Yep. So, yep. you know, I took a, a good listen and I didn't want to alarm the parents. But luckily when you, you know, when you do see a medical professional, they will communicate with, you know, your primary caregiver, your pediatrician. And luckily they were right on board with, taking a look at this right away so it turned out baby just had a little you know little murmur little vsd ventral septal defect that was going to grow and improve but this this was our heads up you know rather than waiting until this child was a year old and not really doing well that we caught it in time so those are the two different things one was you know easily fixable and the other one needed some medical monitoring well, you know, Mary Kay, as you tell about the baby with the cardiac defect, and by the way, uh, the VSDs, the ventral septal defects, are actually fairly common uh, as, as well, as defects go, let's put it that way. But here's the thing. I often explain to new nurses, remember that when the baby is eating, that is his activity, that is his job, that is... Like, for an adult, that would be like, you know, going to work, catching the subway, doing, doing your job kind of thing. And so when, when you, you might not see that little bluishness when the baby is having a standard exam because, well, what are they? You know, they're sitting there, they're doing nothing. But as they begin to feed, that is some exertion. That is the baby's job. And it's so important and so good for you, of course, you're pretty astute, uh, that you could pick up on that because, honestly, that is some pathology. And it's not anything to be horribly frightened about, but it is something that certainly deserves attention. And by the way, better breastfeeding management isn't going to fix it. Not in that case, no. <laughs> no, no, not in that case, not in that case. Um, so Mary Kay, help us with this one too. We've mostly talked about, um, babies that are what I would call slow to gain. I'm thinking about a baby that, um, was very slow to gain. She was actually more than slow to gain, but here's the thing. The mother always described her as such a good baby, such a good baby, such a good baby. Um, when you hear parents talk about a good baby, do you get a little worried sometimes? Oh, yes. And, and <laughs> sometimes you, you have, there, there's two different extremes you're going to see in a baby that's not getting enough to eat. You're going to yep. see the baby, on one hand, the baby that's cranky and fussy all the time. And the parents tell me, well, he's always got his hands in his mouth. And then you've got this other one that's so good and sleeps so well. Well, and- yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> same problem, different scenario. Yes, you've got one kid who is very uh, vocal about his needs, really out there in your face, so to speak, uh, trying to communicate his needs, and the other kid who is very placid, but has a great need, and apparently either I don't I don't know if they just don't know how to express it or they don't have enough energy to express it. But I worry when people tell me about this good baby thing, uh, because very often that is an indicator that that baby is just not getting enough food. Uh, Tell me this, too. Um, Sometimes mothers tell these things that, you know, I just I can't really get a grip on this. But 
they'll say things like, well, I want to wean the baby so he'll be more interested in table food, a, a baby who is, say, six months old or so. Uh, uh, how about my older baby is a picky eater or my toddler is a picky eater. So should I just stop breastfeeding him or force, force him to eat or what should I do? How, how do you deal with those, Mary Kay? Well, I, I have noticed over the years that babies that kind of refuse table food and are slow to pick up on other than nursing intake will, they're pretty smart cookies. Yeah. You know, they, there may be an allergy there. There may be. You know, people have food preferences, I think, from a very young age. Yes. And yes. I've worked with a couple that, you know, were were allergic to something that, and, and didn't want to eat solids. I know some babies don't eat solids till a year old or, or older. Mm-hmm. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, the force feeding thing, I have a couple of friends, you know, in my generation, we were all bottle fed, so it was take that extra bit, take you know the or, clean clean plate syndrome, clean plate club, yeah, <laughs> you know, join the clean plate club. So, you know, that's where all those misconceptions come from about you know how much you should eat and how much you should gain. And I just really love it when moms allow the babies to pace themselves. And but going back to the baby that you know eating his hands all the time, I I think if the baby is acting hungry, chances are that they are hungry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and, and by the way, we mentioned the good baby syndrome. The other thing that is, is what I think you have called something like the, the busy mom syndrome or, uh, oh, shucks, what did you, mother overload syndrome, you called it. Mm-hmm. Where mother, and this sometimes I think is, is sometimes even quite noticeable in mothers that stay at home is they've got 50 million things going on and they're not necessarily watching for those cues that the baby is hungry. And again, that doesn't make her a bad mother, but it does make her a mother who is overloaded with a lot of stimuli and and sometimes just finds it really hard to focus, uh, certainly. You know, Mary Kay, too, I want to go back to that thing about the stools. Because I just got somebody who shot me a question on Facebook earlier today, and the baby was seven or seven and a half months old, can't remember, and she said that the baby would go for about seven days without a stool. And she also qualified that. She said, but boy, when he does have a stool, he makes up for the whole week. And she said, the pediatrician isn't worried other people are telling me to give him caro syrup. What do you say? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Of course. Oh, no, don't give him caro syrup. Don't give him prune juice. Don't stimulate oh. with a rectal thermometer. Those are the ones I hear. I, I, was, I was just like, I could just feel the hair on the back of my neck go up that somebody was telling her this junk, you know. But anyway, I reassured her that... First of all, the pediatrician was not worried, and I'm not worried because you know how when babies first starts taking solids or semi-solids or semi-soft food, you know how their little digestive system sometimes says, wait, I'm not entirely sure how I'm supposed to be working with this here. Just give me a minute and I'll figure it out. Don't you think? Oh, sure. And so it's not unusual. I think we kind of learn our our children's bathroom habits and <laughs> I'm so glad that the pediatrician was reassured yes. because yes yes yeah. 
Yeah, I was good with that. But presumably the pediatrician realized that all else was well with the baby. But I basically said, if this baby was in the first month, I would really worry about this. But at seven months, no. And definitely do not give the Carol syrup. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, uh, everybody stand by. Mary Kay Smith and I will be back. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here with Born to be Breastfed. And both of us are going to be back right after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you getting ready for your IBLCE exam? Do you want a time-saving review without having to travel? Marie Biancuso's new guided study review is the perfect resource for you. If you're wanting to listen on the go, get our premier package, which includes over 60 12-minute audio casts, a 400-page companion guide, and much more. Best of all, you'll get a live Q&A session with Marie via webinar. You'll walk into the exam confident you'll pass. Call today at 703-787-9894 or visit us at www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. That's breastfeedingoutlook.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, and I'm here today with Mary Kay Smith. Uh, Mary Kay, we've talked about so much this past hour, everything from the newborn baby to the baby who's in late infancy. Um, Can you help us to kind of pull things together, and especially for the benefit of those who might not have heard the first part of the show? But if I'm the mother listening today, can you give me some tips on how to sort things out? When do I worry? What do I do? Who do I call? When do I call? All of that. So could we start with when should the mother worry about weight gain? Whoa, that's a tall order. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And you're a short woman. (laughs) Obviously, when, you know, she, you know, do we have to worry about it? Was it a sudden drop in weight? Was it, you know, a gradual decline, you know? Obviously, you should evaluate like a month's worth to see and and look at, you know, I like that mothers keep track of, of peas and poops and stuff like that. Yes. For, mm-hmm. for at least the first month, I think that's important. I do, too. You know, Sometimes they don't like to do it, but I think it's important. Oh, there's so many cool apps now. Every Almost everybody I see has an app on their phone that they're entering all that important stuff. Personally, I'd rather have it on paper. Paper and pencil. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
We're showing our age, Mary Kay. (laughs) Yes, we are. But, you know, I think if you catch it earlier rather than later, it's it's a good thing and it's easier to to help. But, you know, if if the baby's been having nice normal bowel movements and all of a sudden the numbers and anything else changes, amount, color, consistency, that's when she should call the doctor. Absolutely. Um, You know, if moms always know best, and I tell them, trust your instincts. Listen, you know, mother always knows best. Absolutely. So, you know, to call the doctor and, and put forth some questions to the doctor. Now, if the doctor poo-poos it and says, oh, not to worry, you know, and she's still not satisfied, I think she needs to take it farther. But yes. especially yes. the doctor that says, oh, just give him a bottle of formula and he'll be fine. You know, that's yeah. very detrimental to a mom's spirit because what's the first thing she thinks? It's me. There's something me. wrong with my milk. Me. There's yeah. something wrong with my milk supply. There's... You know, it's always her. So, you know, sometimes, Mary Kay, it's simple things. Like, for instance, uh, I say to the mother, do you think the baby is growing out of her clothes? Well, you know, when they look at me like, what are you talking about? I'm thinking, ooh, that's not a good thing. Whereas if they can say, oh, yeah, yeah, she is growing out of her clothes. You know, that's kind of a good thing. Uh, The other thing is, sometimes I'm a pretty good mind reader, and you probably are too, at eliciting a good interview. But sometimes I find that that mothers think, oh, they didn't tell me this because, well, they didn't think this was important. Can you think of some things maybe that they don't think they're important, but that would be important to you? Um, I would ask mom for, you know, give me kind of a picture of your day's, you know, schedule or, or, you know, your your daily routine and, you know, Kind of like, snapshot. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, what's your day? You know, maybe maybe the kids went back to school or something and she's running around in the car more and not having time to sit with baby like she did during summer vacation. Yes. Um, you know, she had company and, you know, long-term company. Some people do have family in other states that come and stay for a week or a month and, you know, she's busy waiting on them hand and foot and passing the baby around. I can remember one mother who told me that she'd just gone nutty with just shopping for the the holidays. And, you know, if you think about it, probably a lot, now I do a lot of online shopping, but a lot of people do get in their cars, go to the mall, jockey for a parking spot, blah, 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 blah. Before you know it, you haven't gotten back to feed your baby at the time that maybe you would have if you'd been sitting there. So I'm 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 with you that little snapshot of and and maybe I guess I would add that mothers become more self-aware about those kinds of things so that they really do report it. Um, you mentioned if the doctor poo-poo's it that the mother needs to follow up. Boy, I got to tell you, I'm sure I will never forget this one baby that I saw that was four months old. The baby had started out in the 50th percentile. Now, a few minutes ago, I had said baby doesn't have to always be on the same curve. However, this baby had dropped from the 50th percentile to the third percentile. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. And, and, and she had visited the doctor that morning, and I'm just thinking, oh, no, 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 no. There is something really wrong here. And so sometimes I think that mothers need to follow their gut to get more help 
if it just doesn't seem right, it just doesn't feel right. And and totally, Mary Kay, I am with you. I believe that mothers do have sort of a sixth sense of when something just isn't right with their baby. Uh, and also, mothers should be reassured that if the doctor is, you know, overly concerned with, you know, a drop in a five percentile or ten percentile, that if she feels the baby's okay, you know, general appearance, general behavior, you know, sleeping patterns are, are the same, then, you know, it's okay. One thing that is coming through clearly, I think, in our conversation today is that it's always best to look at mom and baby together. Together. It's yes. so hard. You know, I, as a non league leader, we did a lot of telephone counseling um, the monthly meetings were a great opportunity to actually look at these mothers and babies. Now that I'm, you know, a healthcare professional, you know, you can talk to somebody on the phone and answer their questions. But boy, you want to see them, and you want to see the baby, and you yeah, want to see the baby nurse. <laughs> I do. And if she's pumping, I want to see her and the baby and the pump and the absolutely. whole shebang. I want to see the the whole shebang. Yeah. And you are absolutely right that there's really no substitute for visualization or for seeing the couplet, the dyad, the equipment, the the whatever. And as usual, Mary Kay, uh, very good of you to wrap it up with that really great insight. You are, as always, a very insightful woman, and uh, it's been really, really fun talking with you today. However, I will tell you, as well as our listeners, that we this hour always goes way, 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 way too fast. And I'd like to thank my guest today, uh, Mary Kay Smith, for being with us and for offering her expertise, insights, experience, wisdom. And I'd like to invite all of you to come back next week for another episode of Born to be Breastfed. Please visit my website at Born to be Breastfed for a preview of what's coming up. And if you're interested in professional continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes in your city. Again, that website, if you are a parent, is borntobebreastfed.com. If you are a professional, and especially if you're preparing for the IBLCE exam, don't forget to get my free eight-week study guide that will structure. I'm not going to do your studying for you, but I'll help you to, to get some structure for your own studying, and that is available for free on my professional website, www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. I'm Marie Biancuto. I promise to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. 